glad I made that decision to be in the house of the Lord today. Daniel chapter 3, verse 8 through 18. I will expedite my reading for your time of standing. Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, and shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbuck, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Verse 18. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. This morning I want to speak to you on this subject. But if not. But if not. Would you lay your Bibles down and lift your hands, your eyes, and your voices and begin to call on the name of Jesus. Come on, lift them all over the house, Lord. We love you. Come on, somebody declare it right now. Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you that I'm able to lift my hands with liberty to call upon the name of Jesus that has power to heal and to deliver and set us free in this house today. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Would you clap your hands before you're seated and give God thanks in this house. There was a young lady whose father was teaching her to drive. He would take her to the local high school parking lot to practice and hone in her driving skills there where there were no cars, just only a few light poles. It was on this particular trip that her three-year-old little sister decided that she wanted to ride along and be a part of the driver training for her big sister. It was one of those difficult days where she just seemingly couldn't make the turn and couldn't get the gas pedal to brake ratio correct. Anybody ever been there? 
It was on her first lap she ran up on the curb while trying to negotiate a turn. And a, a few moments later, she made the same mistake again. Finally, after a near miss with a light pole in the center of the parking lot where nothing else was, she heard a small but nervous voice begin to pray from the back seat. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. The seemingly teenage daughter slammed on brakes, turned around to the back seat in anger and says, What are you talking about? The little three-year-old sister replied, You're scaring me with your driving. I felt like I needed to pray and that's the only prayer I know. Sometimes from our limited point of view, we don't know how to pray about situations. But the Bible is very plain and God's ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. And though He may well understand where we are and He may have a purpose in our pain, we can't always see that purpose. We don't always have understanding or clarity about what we are going through or why we are going through it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12 that we see through a glass darkly. That we only know in part. We don't understand why things are happening the way they are in our lives. And like it or not, this morning, our vision is limited. We can only see what our eyesight allows us to see. We can't see the broad scope of God's plan or God's purpose. Sometimes trial and trouble tr problems come into our lives and we pray diligently for some relief. We pray for healing. We pray for a situation to change. We pray for a storm to go away. But it seems that our prayers just go unanswered. So I ask this morning a very difficult question. What will you do if the answer does not come? And is it it is not what you so desperately are praying for. What if God says no to your prayer? What if God chooses not to deliver you from that affliction? What if God chooses not to remove you from that situation? Well, sometimes we, I believe we become so conditioned to believe that God will always say yes. That we don't know what to do when God says no. Think about it. Every time we pray, where faith is institutionalized into our brains and our hearts and our spirits, that when you pray, if you ask, it will happen. So when we kneel down, we kneel down in faith that God's automatically going to say yes. But what if He says no? So this morning, I've come to challenge you in your faith on this Sunday morning, the last Sunday morning of March where we receive snow and eyes. Someone under the sound of my voice and maybe those that are watching by the way of webcast need to come to the simple understanding. I know God is able. I know God can heal. I know God can deliver. I know God can provide for my financial need. But if not... I will still love him. I will still trust him. I will still serve him. I know God can, but if he doesn't, I will trust him whatever the answer is and the outcome may be. 
Now we've heard the story that I read in your hearing and in your reading of the book of Daniel, the third chapter. About Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew children. Plenty of times you've heard it in Sunday school. You've heard it in youth. You've heard it preached across many pulpits. Preachers have preached about the fourth man in the fire and the fact that he is still in the furnace just waiting for us to go through the trial. They preached about these three courageous men who gained the favor of God because they simply refused to compromise their convictions. Let me say right here, 2019, the age of revival, the time for the church to have exponential growth and for us to grow and flourish is not the time to give up on what we know to be true, what we know to have convictions about. I still believe in repentance. I still believe in baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I still believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I still believe that the word of God is forever settled. It is not the time to compromise our convictions. But of those points make for some fantastic preaching. But I feel led this morning to focus on what I believe speaks the most about the faith of these three men. They said, we know that God is able to deliver us out of the fiery furnace. We know that God could send an angel from heaven to deliver us from this persecution. We know that God could come to our defense if we would simply just continue to do what we know to do. And that God could. With the simple whisper of a single command, he could cease the fire of the fiery furnace he could destroy that idol that these men and women were worshiping god could do that if he so desired he could bring the king nebuchadnezzar and the whole nation down to their knees for the sake of the people of israel they said we know that this same god that opened up the depths of the red sea that our forefathers walked through on over on dry ground can deliver us from this simple little fiery furnace they said we know that our god can do this thing and i just look at these three hebrew boys in my mind and i think they're kind of sarcastic about it <laughs> oh king oh king oh king If you knew what we knew, if you knew what we knew, if you knew what our God has done and can do and will do, you would not give me an ultimatum. But since you have, I want to let you know, I know God can do it. But if he doesn't, if my God that parted the Red Sea and caused all of the Egyptians to be swallowed up, if my God that caused water to come out of a rock and manna to fall from heaven, if my God that caused the clothes of my people not to wear out and their shoes not to wear down, if my God can do that, He's going to save us from this fiery furnace. But if He chooses not to, If God stays silent in the midst of this time, if not, I'm still going to stand. Here's the thing. They didn't know yet 
as we know the rest of the story, what the outcome would be. They were certain that they were not going to their death. For all they knew, they were speaking their final words to King Nebuchadnezzar. For all they knew, they were writing their own death sentence. For all they knew, they would wake up on the other side of glory. But as if it's as if these men were saying, just in case we die in this furnace and don't get a chance to tell you again, let us make our declaration crystal clear we will never bow down to your graven image we will never serve your gods we will never forsake our experience we will never turn our backs on God I don't know what's going to happen Nebuchadnezzar in the next few minutes but let me just say this right here and right now that I know God is able but if not we're going to worship him in the fire I don't know what you're going through in this house but if you could get that declaration in your mind I'm going to worship him if God chooses not to deliver me I'm still going to worship him I wish somebody would come to that same conclusion of faith in this house that you need to settle that issue right here and right now God is able to do it God is able to help me God can do it but if not huh? Someone today in your spirit needs to awaken your conscience and mind and say, I don't know what tomorrow holds, for we are not promised tomorrow. I don't know if God's ever going to heal me or not. I don't know if God's going to deliver me or not. I don't know if God's going to let me increase my financial status. But devil, just in case, just in case, I don't get another chance to tell you this. Let me say it one more time. I know God is able, but if he doesn't, I'm still going to stand on what I know to be true. I'm still going to worship. I know God can but if not, you can count on me. I'm still going to worship. It doesn't matter what comes the other six days of the week. I'm going to be in the house of God on Sunday morning. My car can break down but I'm going to be in the house of God. I can lose my job but I'm going to be in the house of God because I know God is still able. They said, if I die in the furnace, that's okay. If I wake up shouting on the hills of glory. So just in case, let me go on record now. If my prayers go unanswered, I'm going to trust him. If I wake up tomorrow and I'm still in this situation, I will trust him. When it defies all the sense of my rationality, I will trust him. Even unto death, I will trust him. I know that he can do it, but if not... See, there was a story in the Bible that we're still familiar with. This brother Job. Job had to be one of the most confused men in the world. I mean, here's a man who the Bible says loved God and hated evil. Here's a man who was well respected in his community and beyond. And in fact, the Bible says that he was the greatest man in all the East. He was the poster child of a godly life. He was a life that was the perfect fulfillment of Deuteronomy 28, where God promised that if a person would hearken excuse me, to his commandments and do them, that they would be blessed. This passage gives this promise to the faithful. Here's what Deuteronomy 28 verse 2 says. 
And all these blessings shall come on, come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt thou be, shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of the ground and of the cattle and the increase of thine and the flocks of the sheep. Blessed shall be the basket and thy store. Blessed shalt be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. And the Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. Thou shalt come against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. He was saying, you're blessed in the city, you're blessed in the field. The fruit of your body is blessed, the fruit of your ground is blessed. The fruit of your cattle and the flocks by the, of thy sheep. You're basking in your store when thou go in and when thou come out. The Lord shall cause enemies to rise up and they shall be smitten, taken down before you. They'll come in one way, but they're going to leave seven ways. Hmm. Job was all of that. He was every ounce of those scriptures all in one. He was blessed on every front because he loved the Lord. He obeyed his commandments. But all of a sudden, everything changed without provocation, without reason, without any change in Job's lifestyle. He didn't curse God. He didn't turn to false gods. And he did not backslide. Job was just doing what was right. He was still loving God and hating evil. But without warning and without apology, without any explanation, his life was turned upside down. In one day, in one day, thieves stole his oxen. Fire fell from heaven. Consumed all of his sheep. The Chaldeans took his camels. A tornado destroyed the home where all of his children and their spouses were gathered. Then on top of losing all of that, in the midst of his grief, his health failed him. Imagine what Job must have been going through in the thoughts of his mind. He must have wondered what is going on. I mean, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do according to the law. I'm living for God to the best of my ability. I mean, this wasn't in the brochure. You ever been on a trip and you get the brochure and say, like, Woo, this is great. Look at this blue water and you get out there and It's the land of algae. This wasn't in the brochure. And then they give you all kinds of, there was a hurricane like 20 minutes ago. I mean, it wasn't the way it was supposed to be. I'm supposed to be blessed. I'm supposed to be blessed in the morning, blessed in the evening, blessed when I go out, blessed when I come in. I didn't read anything in there about adversity. Job had to be shocked in his spirit as his world literally fell to pieces. His own wife turned against him. She said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? I've said it before and I'll say it again. Why curse God and die when you can lift your hands and bless Him and live? There's no reason. There's nothing that you go through that will cause you or should cause you to say, you know what, you're right. Because people are always going to look at your situation and your circumstance and say, man, that's tough. No, very, very few people are going to encourage you and say, come on, you can keep doing it. You can keep taking another step. Because people love misery and misery loves company. But Job had deposited something in his own spirit. Even though he did not understand what was going on. He was shocked because he literally lost everything. 
His friends tried to encourage him by asking him. Now, this is the encouragement that I don't want. What did you do, man? (laughs) I mean, literally, you have no cattle, no sheep. A tornado came out of nowhere. Your house, all your family's gone. Thieves stole everything you had. What did you do? That's the kind of friends you want. His friends tried to encourage him by asking him, what did you do to deserve all this? I'm sure Job would have loved to answer them, but he really did not have an answer. He had absolutely zero clue or inclinations of why he was going through what he was going through. I'm sure he was frustrated and confused, exasperated and puzzled. He had no idea. There was no explanation. He had no understanding. But in all of his trials, one thing never changed. And the Bible says that in all of this, Job sinned not. In a time where it should have been easy for him to wave the white flag and say, you know what, God, I've lived for you a long time. I've done a lot of things for you, God, and now I've got cancer. I've lost this. I've lost that. I'm not what I used to be. I'm just going to throw in the towel. But God says, if you'll just hold on a little bit, if you'll just trust me a little bit, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Let me tell you in this house today that God knows exactly what he is doing he knows what he is doing with your life for your life was foreordained before you were ever born how god knew you were going to be sitting in this house or sitting on your couch if you're watching by the way of the web god knew exactly where you were going to be what you're going to be going through and he's already got a plan laid out but what if he doesn't answer He sinned not, and nor did he charge God foolishly. And if that were were not admirable enough, that is what really amazes me about Job's experience with God. One day he was sitting, scraping. This is going to get the the good parts. (laughs) Hope you didn't eat too much biscuits and gravy. He was scraping his boils. Searching deeply in his soul and trying to figure out. Trying to reason what happened, why it happened. How long is this going to last? His friends came by and tried to comfort him. If everyone had friends like him, we wouldn't need any enemies. His friends wanted to lament. (laughs) Imagine that. You're sitting in ashes and sackcloth and you're scraping boils off your body doing some deep searching and your buddies want to come by and go, Oh, Job! Oh, Job! They want to cry. No, I want somebody to either help me scrape the boils and clean me up. Pick me up say, It's going to be all right. That's where we got to come in unity and be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. That when someone in the body, a member of the body becomes and they, they lack a little bit, not to go over there and sit and wail and weep with them, but we got to lift them up and encourage them, regain them back to strength. But that takes spiritual sensitivity. We need to let the Holy Ghost begin to work among us that we can walk up to somebody and know what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. trying to figure it out his friends came they wanted to lament of how unfair the whole situation was 
They said, Job, doesn't it make you angry that God won't speak to you? That he doesn't just, doesn't it just, as we, I don't know if they say it in Indiana, but it's a North Carolina thing. Don't that just get your goat? Is that a, that's a southern thing? Okay, thank you, Sister Tammy. She confirms the word. Doesn't that just get your goat, Job? He's not answering you. I mean, think about how faithful you've been to God. You've paid your tithes. You've paid your offering. You've given to the building fund. You've given to this and to that. You've been faithful. And now, Job, you've lost everything. Doesn't that just anger you that God is not responding? Don't you ever get upset, Job, and just question God? Job answered his friends and said, Gentlemen, gentlemen, I won't lie to you. I'd love to speak to God and ask him some more questions. I would, in fact, I'd love to talk to him. I wish there were uh, someone I could go to, a mediator that would come between us and could take counsel with the Almighty. But I can't do that because he is not a man as I am that he, we could sit and discuss these things. But he said this. He said, I know this one thing, gentlemen. I've been sitting here and the only thing that could happen now that would be any worse is that God already happened would be of God would personally step out of the heavens, uh, robe down here in his white horse with a flaming sword and look me in the eyes and take my own life. That would be the only thing worse that God would come down and take my life. And Job declares, just in case that's about to happen. (laughs) He's at a point Where he says, I've lost everything. I'd love to talk to God. I'd love to hear from God. The only thing that can make this worse if God would come down and take my life. But just in case that is about to happen. Just in case I'm not going to see the sun come over the eastern horizon one more time. Let me just say this right here and right now that goes on the record. Though he slay me. Though he slay me yet. I will trust him. In other words, boys, it's been a great time of life. There's something that can happen. But if I die, if I lose my own life, I'm going to tell you this. Though God comes down and kills me, I'm still going to trust him. He said, I know God can. Turn my whole situation around today if he desires to do it. But if he doesn't, I'm still going to trust him. I feel like somebody here under the sound of my voice needs to settle that kind of determined faith. Though he slay me, though he slay me, though I get sick in my body, though I lose a law, a loved one, though I lose my job, though I lose a family member, whatever comes, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. God, you can count on me. I'm going to be in the house of the Lord. Pastor, you can count on me. I'm going to worship God no matter what I'm going through because I know God can. It's not about what he does. It's about knowing that he can. I don't have to understand everything. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to see the big picture. That's the problem with us today. We want to know everything about everybody at the exact moment of now. That's why you have Facebook and social media. Instagram. You want to know what somebody else's cheeseburger looks like with bacon on it. 
I've only got to trust him and come what may. I want God to know and I want you to know. And I want you to declare at some point in this service, I'm going to trust God. See, John the Baptist was in prison. He was the victim of a jealous woman with a Jezebel spirit. He was sitting in a cell. The cells weren't like today. They didn't get what they call three hots in a cot. They didn't have cable TV. They didn't have a weight bench where he's bulking up. His prison was in the bottom, dirt floor, mud. Just filthy conditions. He was there because a woman with a Jezebel spirit put him there. He was there waiting. Now imagine this. Many people today that are incarcerated are waiting to go on trial or waiting to plead their innocence, not knowing what is going to happen, what their outcome is. John knew his outcome. He was going to get... He was sitting there waiting to be beheaded. Not just beheaded and move on about the business, but they were going to take his head and put it on a platter and serve it to Herod's wife. On a silver platter nonetheless. I mean, think about it. You're John the Baptist. This isn't what you expected to happen. On one hand, he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. But on the other hand, he didn't fully understand what that meant. John was like the disciples. They knew that the Messiah was going to deliver his people. They just didn't understand that he was going to deliver them from Rome. John never expected to die at the hands of a a very strong uh, government. He thought Jesus would set up the kingdom of the Messiah. They expected Jesus to rule and reign in the earth at that given moment. They expected strength and political power to be shown. But Jesus did not come that way. He rode in on a donkey with meekness and humility. And that did not make sense to John. How can the Messiah, the one that's going to crush the Roman Empire and set uh, those that are captive, his people at free under the bond of, of them, how is he going to come in with meekness and humility? So what John did is, while in prison, he called a couple of his disciples over and he said, go find Jesus and ask him, are you really the Messiah or should I place my trust in someone else? What John was really asking is this, Are you going to deliver me or not? (laughs) Let's be real this morning. He was saying, go ask Jesus, are you the Messiah? Do we look for another? He was saying, are you God or not? Are you going to get me out of this prison cell? Are you going to save me from being beheaded in my head, put on a silver platter for Herod's wife? Are you going to do that or not, Jesus? And the response of Jesus is very interesting because he doesn't answer with a yes or no. Here's his response. He said, you go back and you tell John that you've seen. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. But here's what's most interesting about what Jesus did not say. Jesus was quoting from Isaiah 61, which says that the Messiah is anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the... Here it is. The opening of prison doors to them that are bound. 
Jesus knew that John was very familiar with this portion of passage. He knew that he would recognize instantly that one phrase that was left out. Isaiah also says, now look at the last, at the end, the conjunction. Jesus left this out when he sent word back to John. He told him, he said, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, leopards are cleansed, deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to him. But he did not tell him the latter portion of this scripture. Because he knew John would know the moment it stopped. He said he will open the prison doors to them that are bound. In essence, what Jesus was saying to John was, John, you and I both know I can open the prison doors. You and I both know I can get you out of this situation. But in your case, John, I'm choosing not to. Now this is where the rubber meets the road. John, can you accept and not be offended? Because blessed is he that can take no for an answer and not be offended. Blessed is he that can sit in his prison cell and say, I know that if Jesus so desired, he could storm into this prison. He could physically rip the gates off of my cell and deliver me. But if not, I will not be offended. Your greatest test is when God says no and you don't get upset or offended and leave the church. Your greatest time is when you know that God's not going to give you the answer you want, but you can still run the aisles. You can still come to an altar and worship. You can still find a prayer room. You can still give sacrificially even when God says no. Hebrews chapter 11, known as the faith chapter, is a portfolio of the faithful. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness, obtained promises and stopped the mouths of lions. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Colon. Now it'd be great if the list stopped there. We could shout and we could dance. We could rejoice over those things. But without even pausing, without even beginning a new sentence, not verse 36, it was in the middle of verse 35. Paul says that within the same group of faithful Christians and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sown asunder. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Being destitute, afflicted and tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy. In other words, they went through all this and the world didn't deserve to have them. Because they understood that the faithfulness of the people of God is greater than anything in the world. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. And in these all having obtained a good report through faith. 
received not the promise. Notice, all of them were good Christians. They all received a good report. They had not sinned. None of them were less faithful than the other. But while some of them had the lion's mouth shut up, others were stoned. While some of their children were brought back to life, others were tortured. While God was able to quench the violence of the fire, God sometimes chooses not to do that. God is able to turn the enemy to flight. But sometimes He chooses not to he was if we are blessed we are able to not be offended in him blessed are they who say I know God can but if not hmm. many times the absence of understanding many times in the absence of understanding all we can do is simply trust God Hebrews 11 and 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The word faith there means confidence or trust. In order to please God this morning, I must trust Him. I must have confidence in Him. That means saying, God, I don't necessarily like going through this valley, but I'm trusting you through it. God, I don't necessarily like this storm, but I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing. God I don't like the trial I'm going through but I'm trusting you through it and I refuse to give up that's where Psalms 23 yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death surely goodness and mercy it doesn't say it precedes you it says it follows you in other words you're going to go through some stuff you're going to be in the valley and you're going to feel like you're all alone but the word of the Lord says surely goodness and mercy shall follow me when I walk into that doctor's office goodness and mercy is behind me when I walk into that job goodness and mercy is behind me whatever you go into you got a surety in knowing that goodness and mercy is trailing you That's the kind of faith I've come to preach to you this morning. Sometimes we don't know the reason why. Sometimes pastor doesn't know or have all the answers. As we though think he does. And we lean to him and we should. You know, I'm old fashioned. I'm just, I, I, I'm going to say this. I'm old fashioned. I still believe in praying about the will of God. I still believe in consulting with my man of God. Because he has authority over my life. When I first came here, even though I helped pastor for 13 years, I looked him in the face and said, you are my pastor. You have the given authority at any time to tell me no or yes, sit, stand, whatever you want. It's not about being a dictator. It's about being obedient to those that God has put over you. Because when you do that, when you obey them that have rule over you, you fall under the guideline of the apostolic authority and the blessings of God fall in your life. We ought not to talk against the church. We ought to lift up the church. If it wasn't for the church, I would not be here today. You would not be here today because I'm looking at people that have been through some storms. You've been through some trials and you said, but if not, I'm still going to serve God. I'm still going to love the church. Uh, I want your faith to rise today like that little girl in the back seat I'm, I'm almost done please sit <laughs> I know how it works when you're tired of hearing me you stand up and you keep standing <laughs> I'm sorry pastor I shouldn't have gave the secrets away 
<laughs> it's not past. That's my secret. I never do that. Now, now I'm going to feel bad every time I'm standing because he's preaching good. They're going to think, oh, Brother Barber wants him to. <laughs> oh, look at Brother Barber. He must be bored. <laughs> I'm kidding. Pastor's like, just preach, man. Just preach. <laughs> You may only have the voice of that little girl in the back seat saying, God is great. God is good. Let me thank him for it soon. But you know what? If that's the only prayer I know how to pray, I'm going to pray it with every fiber because I don't want to hit a light pole. I don't want to get in myself into a situation that I feel hopeless and reckless and destitute and lonely and say, God, why? Why, God? Why, God? No, I want to get there. If I get in that situation, I want to say, but if not. It may be the only prayer you know, but honey, you pray with every ounce of faith you've got and you let God be God. (laughs) We've got to come to the unity of the faith that quitting is not an option. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop worshiping. I'm not going to stop coming to the altar. Even if I don't feel him, he's working. (laughs) Even if the word wasn't for me that morning, I am still going to go to the altar because I know that at any given moment, everything could be taken away. But I want the mentality, though he slay me, yet, yet I will trust him. The first thing these three Hebrew children did was remove quitting as an option. Now, I'm the baby of the family. The babies are the blessed of the family. That means we're just spoiled. And I... I, Imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I don't know, I've been in some hairy situations. My siblings are a little older than me, but I've had some really close friends that I looked at as brothers, and we got in trouble a lot. And there's times we got caught. And we're standing there... before the principal, and the principal asked a very direct question that required a very direct response, and no one really wanted to own up to it. So what you do is you stand in that line and you look at your buddy, like who's going to give up the ghost first? Like I'm not going to say where I stand until I know where you stand. And then all three of you get suspended. That was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were not looking to one another of what is he going to say? Is he going to bow? Are you going to bow, Shadrach? Are you going to bow? What are you going to do? No, 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 no. They knew because it had been put into their spirit that if we stand before Nebuchadnezzar, if we are called out for who we say we are, we are making a declaration now. We're not going to bow. We're not going to lay down. You can blow the horn until you're blue in the face. You can strum the guitar until your fingers fall off. But I'm not going to get down and worship another God because I know who Jehovah is. I know who my God is. And if he delivers me, I'll rejoice. But if not, if he doesn't do it, I'm still going to worship him. They removed quitting as an option. It was sink or swim with them. We're going in this thing together. 
And I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We're about to embark on a building program. And we're in this together. We're going to build the atrium. And it's going to be built within the way it's supposed to be built. Within budget. And then we're going to build a sanctuary. And we're going to have a thousand soul revival. So die. Don't you go into that new sanctuary and say that's my seat. Because God's already got a plan for somebody else to sit there. We're in this together. It's sink or swim, and I'm not part of a sinking ship. We're ship with a good old gospel ship. This is God's church. You're God's man. You're God's woman. Don't you think that God loves you enough to take you to a situation that he will not bring you out of? If God brought you to it, his grace will take you through it. But if I don't get the answer I want, you can count on me, God. I'm still going to worship. That's all right. Go ahead, Sister Hannah. Somebody needs to get that that kind of worship, that kind of faith. She's been praying for her healing. It's not come yet, but if not, I can count on her worship. I can count on her response because she's got a God that says, I can, I can, I can, but if he doesn't, I'm going to worship. I'm going to shout. I'm going to respond with my praise. Come on, stand to your feet all over the building and begin to lift your voice. Lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, lift your voice right now. Lift your voice right now. The Holy Ghost has moved into this house. The Spirit of God has moved into this house. The Spirit of God has moved into this house. Come on, I don't know what you're going through. But as your hands are lifted, you're making that declaration. Lord, I know you can do anything. I know you can do anything. I know you can do anything. Hallelujah. Last Sunday, two Sundays ago, And we had that, we anointed all those cards and we prayed for the sick and God moved in a mighty way and reports are coming in. I'm not sure if Pastor is aware of being, he just got home this morning. Our precious sister sitting over here came up three to four weeks ago. I know she's sitting. She came and stood right here and we asked, what do you need to pray for? She said, I'm battling cancer. Would you pray for me? And we prayed for her. She came back that night, Pastor, and the Holy Ghost moved in a powerful way. She went back to Chicago to get more scans. There she is right there raising her hand. She went back. She got more scans of the cancer. And the doctor looked at her and said, your bones are getting stronger and the tumors are shrinking inside. We can't explain what's going on. She knows a God that can. She didn't have those results yet. But every service she kept coming back. And she kept worshiping God. Because she said, but if not... I know he can take care of it, but if he doesn't, uh, I believe the same faith of those three Hebrew children is here in the sound of my voice this morning. 
They set the stage for you and I, the stage for their deliverance and the stage for ours because they made their declaration of faith. God can deliver me. But if he doesn't, I'm still going to trust him. I believe those words of faith were, were the precedent that set the deliverance into motion. What if your deliverance is hinged upon the next few moments of words that you speak? What if what God does in the next 24 hours or 48 hours in the next week or in the next month of your life, it's hinged upon the declaration of your faith in this house this morning? So I open this altar right now. You don't have to be going through anything. Life could be great. Your finances are great. Your health is great. Your marriage is great. Everything is perfect. But know this, that you are flesh and blood. And the Bible says that in this life, we, we are full of day, full of trouble and short of days. I wonder this morning, who's going to make that declaration of faith that says, I know God can do anything. But whatever situation I'm in or I find myself, I'm going to serve Him. Whatever happens in my life, I know that God can, but if he chooses not to, John, if he chooses not to do it, if he chooses not to release you out of prison, would you continue to trust him? Would you continue to trust him? Come on, every hand, every hand raised. Come on, that's it. I feel faith in this house this morning. We're making a declaration of God in this house. Lord, I know you can do it, but if not, I'm still going to worship you. I'm still going to praise you. I'm still going to give you glory and honor. I'm still going to magnify you for who you are. I'm still going to thank you, Lord.